Hey, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast and to this another episode in the season called Revive. Um, I, as you know from having listened to certain episodes in the season, we've talked we've talked about sleep. We've talked about um, how to revive your mindset. We've talked about leadership. What I really knew I needed to cover in this season was very much this topic of happiness. And if you were to think of a word that would most you know, if there's a spectrum of how you would describe the word happiness, the one that would be probably that came out the top end of the spectrum is the word bliss. And today I've got the great privilege of inviting back David Taylor, who was one of the earlier, if you've been a fan of the podcast for some time, he was one of the earliest episodes of the show, and also to Claire Carpenter. David and Claire have co-authored a book entitled Bliss, How to Be Truly Happy for the Rest of Your Life. Now, what I love about this book, before I give the stage and allow um, Claire and David to introduce themselves, is David and Claire come at the world from a very different point of view. David, I've known for a good number of years. I've shared a platform and stage with him. I've worked on client assignments with him. You know, uh, David sees the world through the lens of possibility, potential and purpose and about the mindset stuff. And for those of you that have followed me, you'll know there's a there's an um, there's a there's a greater sort of an affinity in our both our approach. It's just that David's a lot funnier than I am. Claire looks at the world through the rigor of science and robust research uh, of the different conditions and the relative merits of different, you know, uh, different kind of like treat courses of treatments or uh, interventions. You know, it, it's like I was think, reading the book yesterday and I just said um, before we press record that I gave myself the opportunity, I had a little bit of opportunity yesterday and I gave myself the opportunity of sitting down with a cup of tea and reading the book in the afternoon and I loved it and it was a, it felt it felt a real treat. And it felt like to me that we were setting, it was like one of us was setting in, there's two parties, two voices in the book, there's a David and there's Claire. One sets off from the North Pole and the other sets off from the South Pole, both searching for an answer. And of course they end up in the equator. Um, Which one is right? And how do we find happiness? How do we find bliss? And as opposed, and what should we focus on? Um, you know, and we end up at a point about what do we focus on in a study of what is right rather than what is wrong. If you're loving these podcasts, then please do head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash business master. It's super easy. I promise you, your support really is appreciated. And it helps in the creation of these in-depth masterclasses and interviews to equip you, your team and your business for growth. If you have supported us already, many thanks. And if not, you can do this by heading over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash businessmaster. You'll also be able to get access to exclusive content from the guests and myself, further insights and information on the featured episodes, and how you can get more access for you and your business. I'm really excited about this. So Claire Carpenter, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Gavin. Thank you. So Claire, you're a psychologist and we're going to uh, um, remind everybody listening about the distinction between psychologist and uh, psychiatrist in a minute. But uh, you're um, a psychologist, including having done a good deal of your training with Harvard. So please, would you give yourself uh, an introduction about the work that you do and uh, a bit about your uh, career background? Yeah, um, absolutely. So uh, I love psychology. Um, it's all about why people do what they do, what make what makes them tick. And I guess I got into it when I was a teenager, really talking to my mum and saying, oh, this happened, that happened. She's going, well, you know what's really going on there? And for me, it was like discovering this entire 
parallel uh, world. So yeah, I, I, I trained as a psychologist um, and it, 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 it really is fantastic. You can use it in everyday life, uh, just around the table uh, with, 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 with your friends or, 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 or at work. And for me, it, it's all about passing the IKEA tape test which is so I used to um, collect let's call it collect tapes from Ikea and if this was your entire life so I'm in my, my 40s now I'd have to kind of look at this and, and rip it off and put put that bit on the floor because it's gone can't do anything with it you're meant to sleep now I don't many people don't but you're meant to sleep a third of your time so however long you sleep rip it off you can't do anything while you're asleep and then you've got these two little bits of work and home. You're just ending up holding these two bits of Ikea tape. And both have to be amazing and fantastic. And for me, psychology is a lot of the answer that we can make um, life truly happy and blissful. What an amazing analogy. I love that. I love that. David, welcome back. Thank you very much, Kevin. Follow that, eh? I mean, I, I, I've never stolen anything from Ikea. So, <laughs> so um, um, it's a little bit about your sort of philosophy and, and approach in terms of your work about kind of what, what, what drives your sort of your, your, your theme to your work. Well, as you know, Gavin, I'm just a very ordinary guy. I got very, very lucky. Um, I scraped into university thanks to a letter from my dad. I went into the world of IT and discovered that the worse you were at technology, the quicker you got promoted. And uh, I wrote a book called The Naked Leader, which thanks to um, thanks to a certain person uh, who wrote an email to 31,000 students telling them not to buy this book. He was a very prominent professor. Uh, he is a very prominent professor. Um, it, it went to number one. Um, and as a result of that, overnight, I, I went from having opinions to being treated as some kind of uh, expert, which I, I'm really not. Um, I don't have any insight. I only have eyesight. And that's our whole approach. Does it work or does it not? Uh, we're interested in... Uh, Basically, there's so many. I mean, look at the books behind me. I mean, obviously, they're only borrowed for this podcast from the local library to make me look as if I know what I'm talking about. But basically, they've all got their own opinion. And everyone has, doesn't matter whether it's the world of psychiatry or psychology or just the world of success. Everyone seems to have a position where they're right and other people seem to be wrong. And my approach um, has always been there's only what works and what doesn't work. And if something works for you, then keep doing it. If something doesn't work for you, then do something uh, different. We're very lucky in Naked Leader. We've been going now for uh, 19 years this year. Um, and I was extremely lucky to meet Claire Carpenter when we started working with uh, her company in EDF. Um, and Claire is an extraordinary, extraordinary person. Uh, she, 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 she manages to make the most complex terms simple. And uh, it's an absolute honor to write a book with Claire, which came about largely because I was doing an event with the NHS. I was going to ask you about, so what was the, Sorry, the I, what was the genesis then of the book? What's the story that brought, because it, you, you were both given a challenge, I hear. Well, Claire and I were all, Claire and I decided we'd like to write a book together because we do come at this, this world from very different angles. Um, I, I do come at it from the trial and error angle. Um, and obviously when you're working in the nuclear industry, you can't let to the, take that to the extreme. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. That didn't work. Um, yeah. However, Claire, uh, and I'll say straight away, Gavin, that this is the first book I've written that has got proper academic references, uh, thanks to Claire's research. And, I, and, 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 and the challenge we were given, well, the challenge, it was really a dinner that I was, I was doing a two-day event with the uh, NHS uh, Essex Partnership University Trust. Um, 
And uh, of course, as you all know, these, these trusts are the size of big companies, that they're massive. And I had a dinner with psychologists and psychiatrists and they were, um, they asked me if I had any questions about psychology and psychiatry. And I did. And the main question I had for um, the psychologists was um, that phobias can, can you, you can get a phobia very, very quickly. I mean, psychologists generally agree that you can get a phobia, for example, of flying just by extreme air turbulence, and that can stay with you for the rest of your life. Um, and what I, can't, what I couldn't understand, Gavin, was um, if you have a part of your brain that can attract a phobia or give you a phobia in a heartbeat, surely there's a part of your brain that can basically remove that phobia in a heartbeat. And the psychiatry angle is very much around, a lot of psychiatry is based on illness, on, on depression, on bipolar, um, and yet the World Health Organization, as we say in our book, I hope I've got this right, Claire, they, they define health as a state of complete um, physical, mental, and social well-being. So, so it's not a question of you know, living a normal life, it's actually getting to this thing called bliss. And I introduced this, this, this word, I, I, at the time I said it was a concept of bliss. I said, is that possible? And I was generally put, not put down by the psychiatrist, it was a great evening and everything. And then I discussed this with Claire and Claire said, yes, I'm up for it. And um, you know, uh, I, needed, I needed Claire because I needed some real gravitas um, on my side really, if we were gonna write this book. And uh, I'm pleased to say that the, some of the psychiatrists and psychologists from EPUT have now read the book and they absolutely love it. And, 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 and one final thing on this, Gavin, I think it's time now to put aside people's differences on all of this area. And it's time to find out what works for individual people and what, because the world, the biggest you know, uh, parallel um, virus at the moment to COVID is of course mental health. And Claire and I are both absolutely dedicated to getting people to live the rest of their lives um, truly happy. Brilliant. Um, and I think there's a, one of the first messages that comes out in the book is rather than there be, uh, being a study of what's wrong with us, it's about shifting the focus to what's right with us. So, uh, Claire, can you talk to that bit? Uh, the bit that I'm, um, I'm interested from, from, from the, the research-based phenomenon is how when when um psychologists and indeed psychiatrists want to help fix people that are presenting with you know mental health issues mental uh, challenges the un the it's easy i'm not articulating my words very clearly but it's, it's easy to understand how the, the focus goes on to what's wrong how difficult in your experience has it been for to shift the focus on well, why are we not looking at what's right and how do we look at to shift that focus onto what's going well rather than to what's not working that, that's now that's a really interesting question uh gavin and i and i think that it is something that's quite endemic in all of western society so if for example you have a look at our schooling systems um they are all set up uh to to test you against a completely fictional made up something that you're meant to have achieved and then you focus on the bits that you're not so good not so good at and this entire way that our society is engendered um and, and hardwired really then um impacts the way that individuals see things um and, and also it, it it's filtered into um science both both psychology and and psychiatry and it's it's so interesting when you say well when you you're presented with a person and you want to fix them I think David and I would both agree that there's nothing wrong with individuals um and it is all about playing to strength it is really all about understanding um 
we've all got superhero strengths so what are they so I've got I've got an eight-year-old boy um, and he's fantastic in some areas and some other areas he doesn't have confidence in and what I love about the place that he goes to school is actually you're not going to get better at doing math and doing English you you won't get better at math and English by just doing more of them it's about engaging the whole child and making sure that they can uh, enjoy their time in the playground and their sports and their time with their yeah, friends yeah, and yeah. Right, you know looking looking after the chickens um so i think your question was how easy is it to turn this on its head there, 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 one one answer but two, but two very different outcomes it's actually very easy but it with the, with the way our society is at the minute, we are hardwired to look at stuff from uh, what we're missing. Whereas if we can shift and look at the things that we're in abundance of, then then we can start to to unlock real potential. And the the, the key there, obviously, is being able to shift focus. A core part of the uh, of the book uh, is built around the Ember model, and there's there's, there's four stages of events, meaning behavior and reaction event meaning behavior and, and reaction so could you just walk us through um each of those those four stages event meaning behavior and reaction and then we can then go on to look at the application of it yeah certainly so um when when you have an event you, it's, it's, anything can happen so um uh, I was talking to my hairdresser a couple of days ago. He had an event where, where a client was late and, and he associated that with meaning he's just set up a new salon. And so the meaning that he applied to that was actually, you know, she's not invested in me. Uh, she knows that I'm just starting up. And he got into, into himself into a quite a dark space. So he ended up bringing up his client and, and, and having quite a difficult conversation with her. So that was the behavior and, and saying, you know that I'm starting up on my own. We've been friends for a long time. Um, I'm very upset. Um, and, then, and then that had implications. Whereas actually, she's, you know, he's in the middle of the countryside. And she said, I was trying to get my kids off to holiday camp. One of them was sick. I, for anyone else, I wouldn't have made the effort. And then I got stuck behind a tractor. I was going to turn back, but you are so important to me that I still made the journey. And that's why I was late. And so, so, so that, that just shows you that in a, how we interpret events can really shape our behaviour. And if we just reframe things, uh, that, then that has the opportunity for a massively different outcome. Can I add to that, sir? Clear if that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a typical example of the book that um, in Naked Leader we had an idea that something was the case, um, and um, we really wanted to get sort of the credibility behind it. Um, and, and the idea was that no event has any meaning other than the meaning you choose to give it. Um, I used to use the phrase. I didn't say she stole the money. Claire geniusly made it. I didn't. Um, I didn't say she stole. Um, his money, I think it was, um, and and by taking the, that phrase and every different word, it means something slightly different. And this this and and this happens, of course, because our brain uh, has one role, which is to keep us alive. Therefore, it wants to conserve energy. Therefore, throughout the day, thousands, some might say millions of times, we're associating things. What's that like? What does that mean? 
and, and that's fine when you apply it, say, to this call that I can see that I can see you too. And this is a computer and this is a light. Imagine if I had to each time of all of us had to redefine what we're looking at. So our, our lives work on association in order to keep us alive. The downside is it means that we judge things and uh, we judge things, as Claire has said, and we judge things from our uh, experience, our education and our imagination. And because we don't remember immediately everything that happened in our lives, imagination plays a big part. And because of the point you made earlier, Gavin, and, and uh, I understand from Claire that it's something to do with the dinosaur brain, that we, if there's a 50-50 meaning on something, we'll tend to lean towards um, the negativity for the protection of ourselves. Um, it's, very, it's very difficult. I mean, Claire said it was simple, and she's right, but it's simple is not necessarily easy to switch it in that way. And what Claire has done with the Ember model is she's given a working model for real life, for real people in real situations that they can apply just to get them to have this, what I would call, and Claire and I haven't discussed this, by the way, Gavin, to this degree. What I think Claire's done with the Ember model is she's given us a level playing field and she's given people that sort of, what would I call it, a gap of infinite possibility. Is this, is this definition you're giving going to help you and other people or is it not? And I think that's what Claire has done, has done brilliantly with that. Hey, Gavin here. So let's go back to the Ember model, E-M-B-R, event meaning behavior reaction. And the first two points that we've just covered, the E for event and me for meaning. An event is an event, it's simply what has happened, just an objective um, description or review of what happened. But meaning, remember that that hairdresser story, as human beings we are, makers of meaning. If you find yourself creating a meaning that makes you feel bad, disappointed, upset, angry, ask yourself the question, what are the possible positive interpretations to that event? What are the positive meanings, possible positive meanings I could associate with this event? I'll reaffirm David's point that no event has any meaning other than the meaning that we give it. So be aware, pay attention to how you feel. And if you're feeling bad about something, it's quite possible that you've interpreted the meaning or given a meaning to that situation as being a bad one, a negative one. And actually there's the cue, there's your prompt to do a reframe. A reframe. What is the possible, what are the range of possible meanings that are positive, that are good, that give the other person the benefit of the doubt. We are great makers of meaning. Uh, so that I love the story there around somebody is caught up in their own world and there's a lot of pressure about opening a new venture opening a new business and then we make it about or there is a tendency to make it about us what's that all about well we we are at the center of our own world i i i mean uh and and how we choose to place meaning and um importance on other things is entirely down to us i mean we are the single denominating factor individuals in in any one of our lives and as david says this is all down to um you know experience memory what we hear from others uh, so, so, so that interpretation, uh, as David quite rightly says, is here to keep us safe and, and, and alive, but we can only do that from our point of view. I think what some of the book allows us to do is 
just just step out of um, where we are and, and who we are. There's an amazing quote by uh, Lao Tse, uh, which is, when I let go of who I am, I become what I might be. And I think that some of the book is encouraging us to step out of how we've created meaning um, uh, and really have a look at what's going on and how, how can we unlock, as David says, infinite possibility. I think... I think I just want to just probe that point, that moment of meaning making, because the meaning that we make of something has an instantaneous impact on our behavior and following in your model and the reaction that our behavior gets. So if we find ourselves heading, we might even not be consciously aware of a choice that we've made to fear the worst and make it about us and and have a, a negative scenario that is concocted in our mind as a result of a particular event. How can we catch ourselves in the moment and open our mind up to other potential meanings? Sorry, David, I thought you were going to go. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, first of all, I think to answer that question, the thing that Claire and I have in common, apart from a desire and great belief in the human spirit, is that we are interested in people in the way they actually are, not in the way a lot of organisations talk about authenticity as, as some kind of pedestal that people need to aspire to be and naked and Claire Carpenter of course has the brand the naked psychologist which is a brilliant brand is really about the way we actually are and 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 the way we actually are is that life is one big game of improv I mean I don't know what I'm going to say next you don't know what I'm going to say I don't know how you're going to respond to me and that gives us an opportunity I'll give you a great example I think the way to do it is really really something I'm not very good at is really listen listen to what's being said listen to what's not being said. So our children are slightly older than your respective uh, children, and um, but it doesn't stop uh, them coming home and, and uh, basically reverting to being children at home um, and, and treating me in the same way they did when they were teenagers. Um, and I found that uh, just really just listening, repeating back what they're saying, giving myself a little bit of time to think. So for example, um, one of my, I won't say who, one of my children when they were younger said, I hate you, dad. Um, and it's very easy to say, well, that's not a very nice thing to say, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just said to them, um, well, I love you as well. And they sort of stormed out of the room. Um, so my answer, Claire may have a separate answer. My answer would be, uh, and we put this in the book, imagine if every single thing that ever happened to you happens in order to help you achieve your outcome and those closest to you achieve theirs. That switch is really quite extraordinary and introduces all sorts of synchronicity and serendipity. Um, that, that would be my answer to actually go to the extreme. I think we work in extremes because the, the brain wants to conserve energy. We work in extremes. You know what it's like. Oh, my goodness, that person uh, didn't look like they were going to go uh, jump on that crossing at that moment when I was driving. So I've had to break hard. What are people like? That's what we do in order to, to complete the brain. We, we sort of think of one thing as meaning absolutely everything. And I think I think for me, um, you know, you could start here and say, oh, I'm not sure I always have control over these things, Gavin, you know, and it's always about me and I want to change. And you can kind of think of techniques that get you there and there and there. And, and I decided just to go to the technique that, do you know what? Everything that ever happens, um, happens in order to help me and help other people. For example, with this book, Claire and I have had our challenges um, uh, and, and, and it's a lot of fun, uh, by the way, a, we're very, very close and, 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 and uh, great respect. But, you know, writing a book together remotely, by the way, is, is a really tough thing to do. And in the end, I just decided that whatever Claire said to me 
actually proves we're going to get this book written and uh, you know she's she and I are on board together and although we may see the world slightly differently uh, everything is fine and I've had to call on that a few times with Claire and, and also with myself and I'm sure she's definitely had to do that with regard to me so that's what I would say imagine if everything that ever happened actually helps you and those who's close to you I love that that's a really powerful distinction so what we so for me that of those four stages event meaning behavior reaction it's for me the 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 critical the pivotal stage is the make the meaning piece yeah so when somebody's caught up in the their world and so i i get the the the, the usefulness of right this is meant to happen this is going to help me this is going this is going to help me achieve my goals that's great but in the midst of the emotion that might be bubbling away, that that mammalian brain's already set a path of trend of thinking, you know, what are, what other sort of hints or, or or ideas can you give or strategies to give to to help shift somebody's meaning? Because initially, at that that thought of this is going to help me, somebody might say, "It doesn't feel like that right now. I've got this new business depending on the clientele, and my most favourite customer is not here." You know, it's it's having that ability to interrupt that pattern. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think one of the most important words that you've just said there, Gavin, is emotion. And yeah, when we feel in the thick of a very powerful emotion, sometimes, um, and I, I do it, most people do it, we become that emotion and, uh, mm. ra- rather than feel it, acknowledge it, Put it to one side, and as David says, take take a take a step back to, and take time to breathe. I think one of the most important questions that we can ask ourselves is, um, what if? So, what if it didn't have this meaning? What if it could be interpreted differently? What if I stepped into somebody else's shoes and saw this situation from a very different point of view? And I, I think that. that those two things, feeling the emotion but not being the emotion and asking yourself what if can really help um, re- recast and reattribute meaning. Feeling the emotion and not being the emotion. Yeah, did you hear what that? If? Yeah, yeah I, 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 no, I, I love that. Honestly, and um, I, I love the, that distinction that if you could just say what if in the moment because that's uh, it's obviously a question of, opens up possibility it opens up another potential meaning and as if you can get that chink of light of another possible reality because it could feel like a reality in the moment for that individual then you've got the first stage in being able to to craft a different meaning yeah. what if yeah i agree that feeling sorry um what well, I, w- I want to write it down um was it feeling the emotion not being feeling the, emotion. the emotion not being the emotion so feel it acknowledge it and, and be able to respect where you are and put that to one side. And then with a clear, cool voice of calm, ask yourself, what if? Go make a cup of tea. <laughs> but there's a great example of that, which is, which is about whether somebody's wrong or right. Um, and, and, you know, I, was, I saw my son for a dinner on Tuesday night and he's absolutely uh, obsessed that uh, the hundred in cricket is not as good as the T20, and there's nothing I could say that would, would change that. So I said, you know what? I, I can actually see your point of view. I see why the T20 might be considered to be better. To which, of course, he immediately said, "Well, no, I get the hundred as well. I think it's really exciting." And because of this thing called reciprocity, if you give ground, 
and and do it sincerely because I did because he wasn't going to change his point of view because you should never tell somebody they're wrong even if they are uh, um, but if you give ground then they're more likely to to come back and it all comes down I think it all comes down Gavin and I Claire you and I talk about this all the time is what's your outcome and, and and I know it's not easy in the moment of a sort of difficulty in your business or difficulty in a relationship or difficulty with just something going on could be anything to, to sort of say to yourself what's your outcome and and, and it takes practice but do you know what I think I think it is possible. I think it is possible. We know it's possible. You start um, you start chapter three off with this really brilliant quote: um, "Happiness is not an idea, an ideal of reason, but one of imagination," mm. by Immanuel Kant. Um, it's one of imagination, and then you're going to say that happiness is not the end point; it's the starting point. What do you mean by that? What well, well, I'll tell you, I'll give you the analogy and then I'm sure Claire will have um, a proper point of view um, rather than my just general ramblings. Um, at the moment, a lot of organisations are going through real dilemmas. They're desperate to survive. They're desperate to come up with a new strategy. They're, desperate, they're def- desperate for stability. So true. So true. And they're kind of saying to us in Naked Leader, look, I get, I get well-being and, and happiness and, 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 you know, our people looking, looking after our people, but that has to wait. And I think... The analogy I'd use to what you said is actually that's the cause. It's the well-being of people that is the cause, not the symptom. And if you actually address that first, and if we address happiness of the world first, to use a big phrase, um, and if we help help people who need really need help first, then that's when other things happen. So I think a lot of our book, and certainly thanks to Claire's uh, massive input on this, is it was Claire really that taught me that um, being well is not a result it's an absolute cornerstone and once you're well then you can do all sorts of other things did that answer your question yeah i think what you you actually um a brilliant did was sort of queued up that profound quote from a six-year-old change the i in illness to we to get wellness and i went whoa that's amazing change the i in illness to we and then you get wellness and that opens up what you were just starting to talk to about is about that it's our interactions with others and it's our ability to find happiness through through relationships through collaboration through shared experience so um why is this so uh, it's obviously been challenged over the last 18 months Claire but from a from a psychologist point psychology point of view why is that working with finding happiness through each other why why is that so essential or why why does it have such an impact on us well i i think what we've all learned and we're and we're all in our separate um places uh, talking today what we've all learned through lockdown is the absolute importance and magic of human connection and we've Mm. all been missing that um and i think it's almost enabled us it's i talk to myself it's enabled me to get to a point um where I I can really value that rather than take it for granted. And so rather than looking back on the last 18 months and thinking, gosh, haven't I missed a lot? I think I'm I'm coming forward from today and thinking, gosh, I've I've really gained a lot. And to be honest, the, the mind is everything. What you think you do become. So if we approach things really positively from an abundance mindset, Um, and surround ourselves with people who are equally positive, 
take the ego out of things as well. Um, you know, it, so it, it, if I'm not in the centre of my world, if winning doesn't uh, matter so much to me, if being right doesn't matter, but the outcome does, um, then th that's really important. And um, all of that will go to spark really positive human interactions, which which are, are the basis of revival and um, re revival of us, us as individuals, re revival of our, our communities, of our society um, and of, of our, our, our wider country and world, I think. We've got to knit together kind of two threads there that from both of you. Um, about clarity of outcome but what if you've got differing outcomes that that I think we'll go back to your point David about reciprocity and about giving ground to gain ground so how do we achieve that that happiness with a focus where uh, with others when our outcomes may choose my words carefully appear to be different well the the idea of bliss that Claire and I have um, put together really is that once you are truly happy it's not about you it's about other people because you don't have to steal from other people. You don't have to disagree with people. You don't have to argue with people because you're so confident in being yourself. You've become your own best friend effectively. And I think once that happens, it sorts out a lot of the petty um, discussions and debates and disagreements that people have in life. And we do have so many different petty ones. However, if you're talking about a fundamental difference of outcomes, then I think it's important to acknowledge those, those are two different outcomes and, and talk it through and, and, um, but, but certainly since writing Bliss and discovering Claire's approach to this from a psychology point of view, it's given me a lot more confidence to actually do some of the things that we've written about in the book, um, because I know that they're backed up by, by proper academia and research and, and, and science. Um, and they've, they've worked spectacularly well. So, um, you know, I, I, um, I, I, it's, it's a difficult one. I'm Claire may be able to answer it, but I suppose if you were, um, if you had a different outcome than maybe a loved one, then that could be quite serious. But generally speaking, I mean, we we don't have that many um, outcomes we can't give in on. Um, I mean, to, you know, I just wish I'd known this stuff when the children were younger, because the worst thing you'd ever say is we're going to have a movie night tonight. And, you know, you two can decide which one you watch. And of course, Olivia wanted to watch one and Anthony wanted to watch the other. And we took a vote. And if we watched the one Anthony wanted to, Olivia sat there saying what crap it was and vice versa. And it's amazing. I think the other thing COVID has brought us together, as Claire has brilliantly put it, is what's important in life. What's important? And uh, I've certainly discovered what's important over the last, you know, several years. And I think a lot of people have. Yeah, and I'd also say how much I've learned from David, really, really focusing on outcome. I think, Gavin, where you started was what happens if you've got two different outcomes? But I think some of what we're exploring is reducing this sort of black, white, on, off dichotomy of, of things and actually using our differences positive and a creative tension. And I think if you have a scarcity mindset, you, you just believe that if one person wins and another person loses, if you come at this with happiness and joy and abundance, what you can do, even with two quite different outcomes, as long as they are not diametrically opposed, is to create win-win conditions um, in, in life to, to, to maybe look to for a way for both parties to have a sense of positive outcome, uh, accomplishment, and, and, and a better feeling about what can be achieved. And we've touched on 
that's in the book. And I had a, I had an audition to, for a TEDx and um, I failed. Um, but uh, in the middle of the audition, I I kind of talk. I, I often talk about success and why people don't achieve success by their own definition. And then I go on about you know not necessarily having the right skills or having the right contacts or the formulas for success and all that sort of thing. But on this particular occasion. I just switched and it was and it's it was during the writing of this book and Claire's been a big influence in getting me to switch and, and I said you know you might be wondering why you don't achieve success more often and the answer is you do and we do I, I just think that that one thing that we've discovered over the last two years is we achieve success every single day and and mm. I think if people recorded their successes from the moment they woke up I and mean, just just imagine Gavin if if when you, you you wake up you shout around the house hey I've successfully woken up Hey, I've successfully got out of bed. I've successfully cleaned my teeth. I've successfully had broke. I mean, we achieve success so often. And I think that when you get into that abundance mindset and you notice other people saying it, I mean, we've got stickers in the house that Anthony bought us, little well done stickers, you know, and, and you know, I managed to, he, he came home to sleep here the other night and the, the landing light was off and I uh, was on, sorry, and it was keeping him awake. And rather than him getting up, I went off and turned it off. And the following one, he stuck a sticker on me saying, well done, you knew how to turn the light off. And, you know, <laughs> And I think turning life into a game, which let's be honest, it is, because we make it up as we go along. It's an important game nevertheless, but it is a game. You know, little things like that help what Claire talks about with regard to the abundance mindset. And uh, if there is anything to come out of this terrible COVID experience, it is to realize um, how precious it is in the years we have to, we, I'm sure we've all known people who have lost a, their lives or been ill with COVID and to to really value other people and 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 catch them doing things right as was in the one minute manager which is up there somewhere yeah. Yeah. hi gavin here feeling the emotion and not being the emotion that really stood out to me i love that you know asking that question what if if it didn't pan out that way what if it didn't pan out that way? what if i looked at it through the eyes of another person the other person and the interaction that you might be having a disagreement with Feeling the emotion and not being the emotion. Feel it, acknowledge it, stay calm, review it, analyze it, go make a cup of tea, as Claire said. And the other thing to be really clear on, as David um, reinforced us about, what's your outcome? What do you want to achieve out of that interaction or out of the situation that you're in? When you've got a problem and faced with a problem in business or in life, most of the time the focus is on what's the problem, what's the problem, what's the problem? Start with what's the outcome? You need to clearly state your understanding of the problem so everybody's on the same page. So everybody has a shared appreciation of the situation as it is. Not more than it is, not less than it is, as it is. And then you quickly switch your focus to what's the outcome. You, know, you may have heard me use the sat-nav analogy before. You put a precise destination into your sat-nav and you come across a traffic jam, a roadblock. The sat-nav doesn't freak out and go, oh my God, there's a, there's a roadblock. The sat-nav just says, okay, well here, hit rerouting. Here's some new options to get to your destination. But it can only do that by starting from the point of the destination, starting from the point of outcome. So we've really got to bring ourselves back every time to what's the outcome? What's the outcome? What's the outcome? Another gem from that section was change the I in illness to we in wellness. 
wow, that's profound. I love that. I've changed the eye illness to we in wellness. Once you're truly happy, you become your own best friend. It's not about you, it's about others. And use any differences we have as uh, with others as a positive. Is this a creative tension? Approach challenges with happiness and abundance. Look for the win-win. So you you talk about the importance of humility in the book and about the importance uh, about humility in achieving and experiencing happiness. Why is humility important? I'll let Claire go first because no one's more humble than I am. <laughs> I think humility is is all about um, making sure that we take ego out of everything. And once we take ego out of how we experience the world, how we look at the world, how we interpret things, we we can um, just 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 make sure that we have that better clarity of vision, and um, but also we we can spot opportunities where we we can help and positively connect with people, um, and I think if you've got real humility, you can take take a look at what you have in life, and you will always have more. Um, so if you're quite if you're quite humble, you will always be grateful for, for what you've done, what you've achieved, what friends you have, um, the connections you make, even some of the more difficult meetings that, that, that we have in everyday life. And, you, you know, rather than thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm rubbish or I don't have enough, that humility just opens out a lot of different possibilities by taking taking ego out of the equation i think and i think in so doing you 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 don't show up into um, certain scenarios projecting uh, yourself as something other than you are you you back to david's way around authenticity you're you're showing up being your beautiful vulnerable flawed self and so doing you open the space for a a more genuine conversation interaction where there's, there's less games being played yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Gavin. And I think what humility enables us to do is to is to not bite our corner all the time. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if people disagree. It, it doesn't matter if people really don't like what I'm saying. I stand for what I'm stand for. I'm share, I'm sharing my truth. I am living my best life in the best way that I know how to. I'm also open to other people's and, and, and other ideas, but I don't have to come at this from a from a weary position where I have to protect myself the whole time. Yeah. And I'm just I just reflect. We tried to reflect that in the book. We basically say to people, there's only what works, what doesn't work, as you know. And if something that Claire has said works and do more of it, then somebody I, something I, I said doesn't work, then do something opposite. Um, but I think, Gavin, you've hit on a real critical part here uh, in our history, um, because I'm certainly getting the impression that uh, I was wrong, I need a help. Um, it's my fault. And now becoming lines of great strength and honesty and, and openness that people uh, used to use as, as sort of signs of weakness. Um, and, you know, we, as, as you both know, we've been doing well-being calls with the NHS and the Samaritans and the hospice movement. And it's extraordinary how uh, people knowing it's, uh, it's okay to feel as they do. It's okay to say, I don't know something. It's okay to feel low. It's okay to this. Then uh, it's, there's an amazing strength in that. And I think that uh, as a result of what we've been going through and probably as a result of many other factors as well, 
we are going to come out of this with a great deal more sort of kindness around leadership, I think, than we've had before. Okay, so I want to um, kind of like uh, finish off with some sort of quick fire tips, really, from both of you around experiencing more happiness or more bliss on a regular basis. It may come from points of awareness, but what are some of the things that people listening and watching to the uh, to this uh, interview could do, could incorporate into some kind of a practice on a regular basis that would help them in experience greater levels of happiness and bliss? Um, I've, I've got a couple of tips um, and that I don't mind sharing. So um, on my kitchen wall, I've, I've uh, just got a whole wall of pictures of all those people who are incredibly dear to me, my, you know, my friends and family. Um, and it, it, it's whenever I feel down, whenever I need inspiration, I go down to the kitchen and, and look at that wall and know that those people are absolutely with me and it, it 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 gives me it gives me strength another really easy little thing to do and um i have to admit when i first started doing this i was a bit skeptical but it does work is uh just keep a gratitude journal try and find three things every day three new things that you are great that you're grateful for and in 21 days what that does to your brain is it act actively retrained you not to focus on the bad stuff in the news or or what, what may not have gone well it retrains you to focus on the positive and it actually rewires those neural networks and it, it enables you to look for the positive so those are probably my two little everyday tips thank you claire i love that david well first of all uh, claire's spot on i mean here's my uh, here's my journal um and what this does is it opens you up to seeing a magic in ordinary things um uh, we got the yes. same book we got the same book <laughs> i don't ever know um, and uh you know for example they didn't take our um recycling away last friday because they were short-staffed and the whole road was moaning about it and i put in my happy book my recycling is going to be taken away next week instead of this week um and it was and it went into the happy <laughs> journal um by the way am i on the wall claire you of said you, course you are. Of course you are, David. Of course. Just wanted to double check that. Uh, <laughs> Am I in your gratitude book? <laughs> yes. It's named after you somewhere. I think, I think we did a pre-call on this and I wrote, C we call each other CC and DT and I have you know, a whole page about you. That's quite nice. Um, Come on, David, give me some tips. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, don't just catch catch yourself doing things right, but don't just catch yourself doing things right. Ask yourself a question when you've caught yourself doing something right. Gosh, why am I so good at eating? Why am I so good at opening doors? Why am I so good at feeding the cats? And 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 that bypasses whether you are good at it, and it asks you what's what's behind it. That's that's my first one. Um, the second one is uh, basically um, get somebody who can be like a sister or a brother to you. Get somebody who can uh think like you do but also have some differences and write a book with them and that's what happened with me and claire i've written quite a few books on my own as you know uh gavin but most of those were due to cut and paste um when you have somebody in your life like i've got claire in mine who you know you can ask any question of or get any uh, academic reference or it's not she's not just an academic she's also lives an academic in the real world i, I recommend anyone out there have a buddy if you like have a buddy because that's what i've got in claire 
whether she has and clearly she has yeah no it's it, it, it's been great and i've i've had so much learning from you as well it's it, it's been a brilliant experience so thank you well thank you um and and the biggest one is 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 the thing that we've been using with the um the samaritans have started using and it didn't come from us i don't think anything as you know gavin i've ever thought of came from me um uh and it's okay. It's just so you know. It's okay. It's always okay, even when it's not. And that's okay as well. A new a new campaign. The Samaritans are using, um, and I don't want to end on a, on, a, on a low note, but the suicide rate has gone up obviously during COVID, and and we're battling against that. So that people know, however you feel is okay. So I think that uh, that that's that's a that's a pretty powerful one that I certainly adopt, and I recommend other people do as well. I'd like to just close on a, a on a personal kind of little case study of. Uh, a number of the points that you just talked about of outcome, buddy, humility, notice what's working, um, putting the ego to one side uh, has actually generated uh, and increasingly so a lot of happiness for me. So um, I've recently been accepted onto um, the lifeboat crew for Clan Didno. It's a, wow. uh, where I, near where I live in North Wales. And it's something, I, I'm really at the induction stage. Induction started only this week. There's a good number of months of training ahead before I get anywhere near the water. Um, but it's a boyhood dream. I've wanted to do it for a long time. I'm not into football. My boys know, don't know anything about football, but they can list and name every spotlight lifeboat. They can list all the lifeboats. So I am a massive fan of the RNLI, and I'm so humbled and privileged to have been accepted into the crew. That's and, amazing. And, well and, and thank you. And, and one of the things that I, I, David knows, I, I grew, I've sailed since I was four. I spent a lot of time around the water and the sea. And, and they're very clear that they say that everybody has to be trained exactly the same way to do each of the different procedures so that if you're out, um, you know, at sea in the winter, in the dark and it's blowing a gale and you can't be heard to each other, you want to know that your crew mate next to you is going to do things in exactly the same way. And it makes total sense. There's another guy on the crew who basically is the first officer on a super yacht is eminently equipped and trained and experienced. And yet when he's not, of being super yacht, you know, first first officer, he has had to go through each of the same stages of the training. So I have to turn up with humility, irrespective of my experience, um, and learn it and the, the way. And I really understand and respect the logic for that. So, um, and I am I'm enjoying that relearning process. That's the first thing. Second thing, well, the outcome's clear. It's saving lives at sea. And the first time, I haven't yet got the pager, but my phone will now go off. 5.15, I was woken on Saturday morning from a deep sleep. Where am I? And then made my way to the station. And the three guys that went out on the on the inshore boat um, literally pulled a guy out of the water who decided it was a good idea to go for a swim drunk at five o'clock in the morning. And um, they stayed alive. And it, it, I just thought, wow, wow. You know, it's like my synapses were going, you've just started thinking about those three guys, just normal guys. They started off their weekend by pulling somebody out of the water and saving their life. And how amazing was that? Um, so, and then notice what's working. Um, that morning I got there and I thought I got there quite quickly and the boat was being launched when I got there. And it would be very easy for me to say, oh, I'm never going to be able, because those two guys, two of the three guys literally live within a minute's journey from the station and I live five minutes away. And, uh, but I thought, no, I got here. I showed up, I turned up. Last night, it went at 20 past eight at night and I got there. And if I had been trained, I would have got onto the boat. So, 
you can see I'm I'm, I'm quite uh, animated by this. But the things that you've been talking about, oh yes, and having a buddy, I've been issued, I've been matched together with a buddy. I've met him; he's great. Tells me the way that things work. So the things that you naturally talk about um, through your insights that you've got from from collaborating and you know writing bliss, you know how to be truly happy for the rest of your life. I'm having a very current and real experience that is generating that, that happiness in, in my world too. That's well, that's Gavin, fantastic. that's a fantastic story. And Gavin and I have known each other for years and he is a living embodiment for um, uh, everything, Claire, that uh, you, you, you believe in and, and I believe in. And, you know, for you to say that you read it and you enjoyed it means an awful lot to us. Claire, David, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for working together with one outcome about helping the people that read your book, which I hope and I encourage you to read, and I'm sure the audio book will be phenomenal, um, uh, is to be ha- is to is to get yourself a copy of Bliss, How to Be Truly Happy for the Rest of Your Life. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed reading um, sort of an advanced copy of your book. So when's the book out? When pe- can people get hold of Bliss? They'll be able to get hold of it from Friday, the 1st of October. Fantastic. Well, thank you so both so very much. I'm looking forward to uh, the audio book when that comes. And uh, um, I really encourage that for anybody listening. How Claire, how can they how can they find out more about you and find out the work that you do? Um, I am on uh, the nakedpsychologist.com and I am uh, the behavioral advisor for the psychologist to to naked leader too so I should do a fe- feature there and it would be a pleasure to hear from anyone can I just end with a quote would that be okay I love quotes go for it all right so um one of my uh, most inspiring quotes is by um Emile Zola and she says if you ask me what I came into this life to do, I will tell you that I came to live my life out loud. And I think that bliss will really help people positively live their lives out loud. And that's what oh, I love that. I love that. David, how can people find out about you? Um, and sorry, that's just an amazing quote. And um, yeah, um, uh, yeah and nakedleader.com uh, naked and the home of real leadership. Uh, dot com but nakedita.com is the main one at the moment so if you oh, want sorry, to sorry, sorry gavin and and social media thanks to our amazing uh, god daughter and her team um at naked leader across social media thanks gavin. thank you so if you want to live your uh, life out loud then grab yourself a copy from the 1st of October of Bliss, How to Be Truly Happy for the Rest of Your Life. Claire Carpenter, David Taylor, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Business Mastermind podcast with myself, Gavin Preston. You know, we love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Like, review and subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on. It does make a difference. If you are a regular listener, why not buy us a coffee? You can do this by heading over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash business master. You'll also be able to get access to exclusive content from the guests and myself, further insights and information on the featured episodes and how you can get more access for yourself and your business.